This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paula, John Crane on our Sunday night edition of Talking Halos. Hey, bud, how you doing? Uh, it's gonna go back to work tomorrow, but other than that, I'm hang. I'm doing fine. I'm doing- it's real hot out here, and I think it's warm where you are too. It's a little, little warm. It's a little concerning out here that uh, my AC decided to give me a big middle finger today. It's not fun, but it's gonna be. It's gonna cool off a little bit over the week, so get some rain coming in. I, I guess we can handle it. But anyways. I wish, I wish it would have rained like today in Anaheim, and maybe on Friday after some of the garbage we saw. Saturday was fun, but uh, what were your thoughts on this series? Just, just brush them a little bit. What was the thoughts on the series? Just the the inconsistency continues. I mean, four hit, you know, four, you're going to go over it, but four hits on Friday and sixteen on Saturday, and then and then today, um, back back with the. Uh, uh, with the guy, uh, the well, Trout, on, Trout, spit it out, spit it out, spit Trout, Otani, Pujols, all hitless. Well, I think there's some issues with that. We do need to point out, but you know, yeah, it's a little frustrating to me that you, you know, we had a great day hitting wise on Saturday, and then you see, watch the team kind of shut down the day. But I have a theory on that, and I'll run it past you. But before we do, folks, just let you know, hey, we're just getting started here. We're on episode 22 of our show. That's it, 22. It feels like yesterday we started with baby episode one, but no, it's twenty two, and hey, we're still growing. We are growing. We're growing every day. But if you don't know who we are, where we're at, go to talk. Go to talking halos. Google us. Okay, look us up on iTunes, which is going to be Apple Music, by the way. We're on Spreaker. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Various places throughout the internet. Spotify. Hey, Spotify has us. Yay. Okay. Check it out. We'd appreciate a five-star review. If you want us to earn that five-star review, great. Email us, talkinghills at gmail.com, and give us your feedback, and we'll keep working. We want, to, we want to be the best out there. There are several great podcasts out there that we compete with, and we like them a lot, actually. But we do 
generally want to be the best out there. Hey, and if you're a new listener and you are enjoying the show, please let another fellow Angels fan know, either by text or by just word of mouth. Help us grow the show. It would mean the world to us. And, you know, it, it, just, it just means the world to us. Right, John? I do like how well we get along on Twitter that with the uh, with some of our uh, our you know the other choices you can make for Angel Podcasts. Um, well, we all seem to be on the same team. Well, the, the, here's here's the bottom line though. The entire reason we started this podcast is it wasn't enough coverage of the team. So That's why true. wouldn't I support say Locked On Angels and hope they do well? If they're doing well, the team's getting more coverage, right? I agree, and I, I think we agreed with that. This, yeah, this this team needs more coverage. I mean, it's got the best player in baseball on the team. So it does. Uh, on the agenda, we're going to cover this whole series later on. We do have our freeway series preview, well, part one of the freeway series with Jeff Snyder from Locked On Dodgers. He's, he's on the show today, and so it's a pretty interesting interview. And and by the way, we have a nice little preview podcast coming on Wednesday as well. Pretty stoked about a couple big interviews coming up, and, and I just hope you tune in and listen in on them. All right, so first things first, this series, Angels lose two out of three to the Mariners. Uh, none of those games were close. Mariners take game one of this series, 6-2. Angels wiped the floor with the Mariners on Saturday, 12-3, and then they returned the favor today, 9-3. This is an ugly series overall, though. Each game, even the 12-3 win, featured some problems, and it's really frustrating to me to watch. This team just lost four out of six games on this homestand, virtually guaranteeing the best they can do with the league's and the National League's best team, the Dodgers, coming in on Monday, virtually guaranteeing, a at the very best, a 500 series homestand. At the very the Dodgers best. And, the Dodgers and their fans. Well, I know how you feel about the Dodgers. I don't feel the same way. I mean, I'm kind of eh about it. But I know how you feel about it. It's not your favorite. But, you know, hey, the conversation we had with Jeff Snyder was really nice. We'll say that. And he and he, and he, he cheers for the Angels when they're not playing the Dodgers. So that's nice to hear. But anyways, what were your main concerns? Well, give me one concern you had with the series before I ran. Because you know I'm going to rant. Yeah, just just that, just just that. Well, I mean, who do I pick? Now, I'm going to pick. I'm going to again. I'm going to pick on the offense, um, and you know, just that that you know, the big guys all went hitless on Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. They go, they get the three home runs on Saturday, three consecutive home runs in a row on Saturday, and you know, and then Friday was Friday. Friday, what? Uh, they left twelve on base on Friday. Uh, Heaney went 5.2 innings and he gave up five runs. Another Andrew Heaney, uh, uh, you know, was becoming a typical start among our starters. Um, just four hits on Friday. That's very frustrating to me because this team is offensively, I think, on paper, offensively sound, if not even loaded. Well, let's point this out because I don't see anybody talking about it, but let's point it out. They change the freaking lineup every day. They don't have a steady nine-man lineup they put out there. A person is used to the same role, a one-hitter, a two-hitter, a three-hitter. Well, no, let me rephrase that. Lestel is pretty much almost always at number one now. Trout lives at number two. But where's everybody else at? Where's everybody in this lineup going to be? They move so many people around that it's hard to get used to a certain role. And a lot of it has to do with the fact they have to move pitching around as much as they do. There's that relationship. The Angels are making pitching moves almost every single day right now. 
wasting people's options because you have to keep calling people up. Why? The pitching is really bad. Really bad. And I was hoping it would get better. But it's, hmm. it's not happening. And it's, to me, the root of the Angels' problems, it's not the hitting. I think the hitting will solidify if they get some, some consistency on the roster. But the roster is so all over the place that you can't actually make things happen. You can't build what you got because you're all, always changing everything. Well, Brad really tried hard today. He really tried hard to save the bullpen. You know, he was going to let Tropiano, Tropiano close out the game, but he, he couldn't do it. You know, he just couldn't do it. Well, that was a good I – mean, it still got some innings out of him. I kind of think they weren't out of the game yet, so they probably should have taken him out earlier because they weren't out. They have an off day coming up on Wednesday, finally, so that would have been a, sa- a day they could save. I just – but I'm not mad at Brad. People can't stand out, so they can't stand up for The players in the field aren't doing something. If I do have a complaint, what the heck is going on right now with the pitching staff and the home run ball? That's my issue. That's my big issue. How can you possibly give up home run balls like this? And if it's not a one-person problem, we are picking on Trevor Cahill all year, but that's not really the issue. It's everybody. Everybody. Something is wrong with the pitch count, pitch calls you're making. Where Do you not know where these players' power alleys are? Does your pitching staff have that bad of control that you're giving up home runs like crazy? Something is wrong. And that's what it is, John. You realize that, right? It's either your pitchers have horrible control, horrible pitch location, or you're getting the call for that location from somebody else. So who's calling the game right yeah, now? That's a, it's, and it's, I don't think it's – you think it's – I've speculated. I mean, I've heard that it's the, the dugouts have, has a lot of say in that. Do you think well, so? It does. Yeah, it does. But the catcher also has a, has a say in it. The catcher's the one saying, hey – I want a fastball here. You know, that's what it's all about. But somebody's making the call. Somebody's making the call. Well, so you, you, you're saying it's you're saying it's not a bad pitch. It's a bad uh, call on the pitch. It's I a bad saying. They didn't pitch a bad fastball. They shouldn't have pitched a fastball. Is what you're saying? Let's say you are going up against Evan Encarnacion. Now, I don't have his scout report in front of me. Okay, but. So let me just speak in very general terms. But let's just say his red zone, his hot spot, is on the center right-hand side of the plate. So common sense dictate you try and stay away from that spot, right? I would, yeah. Let's say he also hits fastball as well. So a fastball on the right-hand side in the red spot of the plate would probably be a place you want to avoid, right? You would, intentionally. You would intentionally want to avoid it, but now is there's a chance that they, they lose control, but that's not going to change the whole pitch. But, you see, my, my argument is this. That's, that's happening. My, they're, they're putting pitches in these players' zones. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. Now, it's either bad pitching by the pitcher, or you're getting bad calls behind the plate or from the, for, or from the bench. What is it? Or, here's the worst option. Overall, the pitching staff is garbage, period. Well, I tell you, the pitching staff is very, 
it's I, it's not a lot of confidence in anybody on the staff, with the exception of at this point still Griffin Canning. Um, but I, I don't see. I had did we had we didn't we, we had pitching issues last year too. We had we we had a, you know this is not a this is not a, a new thing. So, yeah, sure. but it is. I do believe it's gotten worse this year, and so I guess we can point a finger towards uh, management at this point because it really has the home run ball and it really has gotten pitching's gotten worse last year we'd have some I, I, my my bigger complaints was solid pitching but they'd pull him out in the fifth and bring in the bullpen now we're not even getting uh you know a solid pitching job is a uh, you know five innings well but heaney what you five innings five runs i mean that's not that's not a solid pitching performance by Andrew Heaney. But that's about what we're, we're kind of getting out of all these uh, once they once the opener leaves, because we didn't have an opener today. But I mean, would it have mattered? The whole staff no. was awful today. Well, absolutely. The whole staff's awful on a semi-regular basis. But if you watch, say, a Tyler Skaggs, he's mind, he, he just drives you crazy because you could see his stuff. He's got good stuff. So what's the problem? Why isn't he taking to the next level? Even Matt Harvey, who, by the way, got shelled in AAA in this last rehab start. I mean, shell less than three innings pitch, eight earned runs. But last time we saw Matt Harvey out there, he had stuff. There was movement on that fastball. So what's going on? What's the problem? Going over to everybody ranging from Trevor Cahill to, I mean, even today, to Jose Suarez. Suarez had a great run in the minors, has two rough starts, fairly rough starts up here, but mainly because of the home run ball. If the Angels can, can put a block down on the home run ball, then everything changes for them. They're giving him home runs like crazy. So you're saying, yeah, try to keep the bitches high, up high, try to get them to... Keep, well, keep the ball. Some people are great high ball pitchers. Some people are great low ball pitchers. Some people are great hit curveballs well. What I'm saying is, is what it, what I would love to be. I'd love to be a fly in the wall right now, and I would love to hear what's going on in terms of the preparations in the clubhouse for these hitters. Because I stand by my words. I believe the Mariners are one of the worst teams in baseball, if not the worst. Their record is only better because they had a hot start of the year. They've been garbage for almost two months now. So yeah. I I have a really hard time just sitting there saying, hey, you don't know who these guys are and what the weaknesses are. You know the weaknesses are. They're not a very good team. All they do is hit home runs. They don't do anything else well. They don't do anything else well. Me and Telly, you don't have this team scouted yet and how to pitch them? They just took two or three from this team at home. I got a problem with it, man. I just do. We should, yeah. We're, we are in the big league, so there should there should be a plan, and at least now now we're going to go back to the plan on just a game on a day on a game basis, and uh, you should have an expectation, yes, that we can at least hang with the uh, on a on a regular basis with the Mariners who have won. I mean, they've won like five games in the last month or something. And I think three of them, at least three of them, have been have been against us. Yeah, they did take one from Houston. I mean, they have they have talent there, but their bread and butter is power hitting. But again, does it come down to how the game is being called, or 
are these pitchers are is their control that bad? No, I, 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 well, I'm going to go right back and say we have talent too. That's what makes this so frustrating and why fans are so angry because we do have talent. These are pitchers that have that. If you're if you're capable of pitching, a, a, a you know a, a great solid game one day, and you can't do it the next two games, you have the talent to pitch in the major leagues. You just don't have the consistency, which again, now I, I see your point where you, you, you're, point, you're pointing it up. You're pointing the, the blame up, up higher. Well, no, I, no, they, I'm not really saying that. I'm saying I don't know, but I'm saying something's wrong. I'm saying, is it the players? Is it your pitching staff? Because at this point in the year, it's June, these guys aren't in spring training where they should be getting better. They should be able to find their pitches better. But on the same token, if you're not getting good direction from your bench, from your catcher, on calling this game, then that's a whole other issue. And that's what I want to know. That's really what I want to know. And I don't have an answer for you. I'm just raising those questions. I, I don't want to criticize this team. But this weekend was an embarrassment. Watching this team the way they played against Seattle on Friday and on Sunday was an embarrassment. And don't get me wrong, there were a couple moments in Saturday's game, pitching-wise, it was an embarrassment. The lineup picked them up. The lineup shouldn't have to pick them up as much as it does, though. And if the lineup was more consistent, they'd be picking them up even more. Yeah, no, the the lineup, definitely, because what, uh, who's a, our pitching, our pitching, our pitching, we didn't didn't have great pitching on, eh, solid, on Saturday. But we gave up two runs in the first three innings, which could, you know, and could lose us a game any other time of the year. But because the offense really took it out, there was no mention of the of the uh, pitching staff on that game. I want to go back to also give credit to Otani and Trout and and Lestel for their great game on on Saturday. Here's here's the concern I have though is the line has been so inconsistent throughout the year you need to find that you can't find it if your pitching staff is always in flux because there's no stability across your entire roster this is a, this is a it's it's not a case where one part of your roster is fine so the other part can be can be sucky it's all symbiotic either you're all stable or you're not so if your pitching staff is unstable, your hitting's going to be unstable because you have to move people around. In all my years watching the Angels, I've never seen a team have to flip this roster as much as it's had to do in the last two, two and a half months. Never. I agree. I have to look up when, when we get new pitchers. And it happens I almost every them. day, John. Yes, I know. And they call one up and send one down and, and, and put somebody on the injured list and bring somebody up and... I, I, I mean, there's obviously frustration. I, you know, when uh, um, Osmus, he got thrown out of the game today in a very subtle, subtle way. Uh, I was actually, I had the TV on in the, in, in the house and I had the radio on in the garage. And on the radio, they had no, they weren't sure if he was thrown out or not. They were saying, it looks like he, we don't see him in the dugouts. So I had to go in to watch the TV, look at the TV. And, and then they showed the replay of how he was thrown out. You think that was just... He's trying to spark something, or is just? It looked like he didn't really say much of anything. If he did, it must have been some pretty. It must have been a yoo of what he said to him, but deserved. And this is this is actually where I was going. So I'm glad you went there. The umpiring today was absolutely horrid. And if you have umpires calling strikes that aren't strikes, it forces hitters to change their approach. And this is why I'm not going to be all that hard on the Angels today for not hitting well. 
Mike Trout had two strikeouts that he shouldn't have had. Both yeah, were he, on – they were balls. He was heated. He was heated. I don't know. Maybe and, that's why Asmus went out there because he – yeah, you could tell Trout was real frustrated. But even so, Trout still simply talked to him and walked away. He didn't. I don't think I've ever seen Mike Trout yell at anybody out there. But I, th- I have seen him a couple times over the years do what he did today. But he still wasn't, he wasn't rude about it. At least from what you couldn't tell, what you could tell. I just – the calls were awful. And in some cases – I mean, I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist and say, well, Seattle was getting the calls, the Angels were – weren't but there were a couple pitches that Suarez didn't get calls on that Seattle pit, Seattle's Wayne LeBlanc did. Yeah. And so I can see the Angels getting frustrated here. I can see the Angels hitters getting frustrated and all of a sudden they have to defend the plate more. They have to expand their strike zone more. Now the flip side of that being is if you know that the umpire is off his game in terms of where he is, then you have to swing more. You have to and guess what? Swinging more means more strikeouts. Wade LeBlanc is not a strikeout pitcher. He struck out eight today. I think it was eight. Last I checked, it was eight. So you change the entire complexion of the game. And that's the, the kind of problem I have with, with with the umpire today. Umpiring is underrated in how a game goes. And so I don't really fault the Angels hitters, but I'm all over the pitching. Six home runs given up today. It's garbage. Absolute garbage. I just have a major problem with it. Hey, yeah. So, the numbers speak for themselves. So, but what's really frustrating? I mean, this team is thirty-one and thirty-five. I mean, you could be a lot worse than thirty-one thirty-five. And I, I, I'm seeing some fans on social media. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on poor Angels Nation twenty-seven underscore twenty-seven. <laughs> and it's, because I don't really have a problem with him, I think he's ultra negative, and he and he kind of judges fans who are positive. This is what he suggested after the game today on the Angels: how to fix the Angels. One. Already sell the team. Two, move to Long Beach. Three, fire Epler, Alsmus, and the entire front office, bringing in a new regime. Four, dump Pujols, Cozart, Harvey, Allen, Bohr, Cahill, and eat the money. Also four, I'm not sure where he has two fours there, call up Adele, Tice and let the kids play. Five, hire Tory Hunter. Now, this is absolutely ludicrous. And I don't mean this any per any personal to at Angels Nation underscore twenty seven. One of the reasons the Angels were immensely competitive over the years and do well at the fans is the fact that R. Moreno is the owner of the team. He's a he's a very good owner. He will spend. Have you ever I mean, am I wrong? No, you, t- you 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 go to him. You say this is who we want, and he gives the money. Absolutely, that, that, you know you know that I won't listen to that. I have an idea. Why don't we just trade our roster without except Mike Trout? We'll throw in I don't know. We'll throw in we'll throw in a player to be named later for the Houston Astros roster. That's an idea. <laughs> Moving to Long Beach, how's that fix the Angels? Seriously. <laughs> And in fact, I've never really got to comment on the interview that you did with them and that he brought up the same point. It's like getting to that. People are going to be very frustrated going to the games there. No, that's, yeah, that's. uh, Uh, That's not going to have anything into the inch of the field. It's just going to mean more in terms of revenue down the line if the Long Beach move would work. Has nothing to do with the field. Already has money. Revenue is not an issue here. 
That's not an issue. Revenue is not an issue. It doesn't mean you go out there and you blow money, though. You wait. You want to build a contender long term. Okay, three, fire Epler, Alstons, and the entire front office. Alstons has only managed his team for 66 games with a completely flawed roster. That's not built to win this year. It's built to be a jumping point for next year. Epler's rebuilding the farm system. I, I'm giving Brad a, a, a little break here because he, he did. He really did get kind of Delta a hand of cards because um, when they, you know, they let go of Sosha and then brought in a guy that a lot of uh, casual and even more than casual fans said, huh, who's that? Yeah. Uh, so and then when you, get, when you get the results that we got, people are even more, huh, who's that? Fire this clown. You know, he doesn't have any winning. I mean, so he's a very easy target. I don't understand targeting Epler, and, and it's just ridiculous to, tar- to target Artie, especially this early when we haven't been to a World Series in, uh, what, uh, and we've been you know, playoffs, but we haven't been to a World Series in 15, 18 years. Uh, so, I mean, this, again, this is a little paranoid talk here. All right, well, Dump, Pujols, Kozart, Harvey, Allen, Board, Cahill, needs the money. All right, well, listen. No. Uh, AK, no. Some of these guys, you maybe you won't see again. Harvey, Cahill. Cahill's been put in the injured list now. Harvey's performance down there, awful. Fine. You want to eat their money? Fine. Okay. You want to dump Pujols? He's actually been his batting average is horrid, but he's still getting he's still pushing RBIs. He's still getting some you know still getting some power out there. And there's definitely worse options on the roster. Here's the bigger thing. Part two, I guess, of that of that point four, a call up Adele Tyson kids play. They aren't ready. If they were ready, they'd be up. And the common idea here is well, they would be ready if you call them up and you give them time. That's not how the sport works. There's a progression. You have to get used to major league pitching. You have to get the confidence to hit major league pitching. There's a reason why you go from single A to double A to triple A. If these guys aren't ready for that, you want to rush them and ruin their careers long term? I, I don't think this team. I don't think this team has shown any fear to bring up somebody, uh, bring them up to the big leagues uh, when they feel they're ready. And yeah. I mean, they demonstrated it multiple times this year. So I mean, this is like playing what like status pro baseball, just kind of like putting names in, pull this here, this guy's going to do this here. Um. Yeah. No. It's just uh, it's just ludicrous thinking here. I mean, it's, it's baseball is not. You're not playing the show. The MLB the show 2019. You're not playing stat. You're not. Yeah. You know, like you're saying, you're not playing some online game. This is real life with real life thinking process with real life development that goes on here, and these guys aren't ready for that. They're not. So- if Joe so Adele was ready, he'd be up now. He's going to be ready soon, but he'd be up now. Matt Thice is not ready yet. If he was ready, he'd be up. Because you know who came up before him? Jared Walsh. Matt Thice is regarded as a bigger prospect than Jared Walsh. Why wasn't Matt Thice brought up? Well, he's a better prospect. You know, not only he's a better prospect, but Jared Walsh is a little more ready right now. I, I don't know what they're expecting. Are, are they really expecting this team, this whole season, to 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 turn to do a one eighty, and we're going to catch the Astros? Um, I'm I'm not confident that that's going to happen. 
So I like to see the the rotation of the the growth. I don't, I don't like the pitching, how they're sending, yeah, the way they're bringing the pitching up one day and sending them back down. That's more to get work for them, right? To give them. No, to but give, they're trying to find some kind of help, man. They're trying to find some kind of genie in a bottle here to get some consistency. And of course, now you have now you have Cahill injured and Harvey's not back yet. So you know, Harvey and Cahill were meant to be guys that hold a spot for the year. While these other guys get ready, and now so now these young guys like Suarez have to come up and pitch, and you have can I don't think they really want Canning up yet. I think they want Canning down in the minors longer. So I they're already bringing some of these young guys up that are at least somewhat ready, but now you want to call up guys who aren't ready, and you could wind up ruining them. You could ruin them long term by calling guys up too early. And Absolutely. finally, hire Tory Hunter for what? Is he going to DH? Is he gonna? Is he gonna? Is he gonna take cover for Albert when Albert is he gonna DH or what? <laughs> well, I'm probably either run the team or manage the team, but it's it's much deeper than that. You, I think again, we how many times have to cover this, John? How how bad a position did Jerry Depoto and Tony Regans leave the farm system and the entire organization for that matter? So you're saying it takes time. It takes time. Well, here's a great example. The Angels drafted Kyron Paris in the second round on, um, what was, it, was it last week? Tuesday. Okay? And, I mean, he's 19 years old. Is he going to be major league ready at age 19? No, probably not. Very few ever are. 2021. 20, we expect him, if he signs, around age 22, 23. So count that out. You're, you're, you're drafting prep players, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, four to five years. When did Epler take over this team? Is it, it was uh, two year, three years ago, right? Because okay. he took he, he was it over last year la, and the last Come two on. years. And he Come on, help me out. Pardon? What, 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 what's the actual numbers here? When did Billy Epler get hired? Are you Googling it? I am Are Googling you seriously? <laughs> Are you serious? 2015, man. October yeah, so 4th, four years. So I missed it by a year. So I missed it by a year. So four years. This was his 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. His, his fourth draft. Wow. So the players he drafted four years ago are now just now coming up. With a few who, like like Canning, who got up earlier. I, I don't know heck? where I don't know where the instant. What's funny is I don't remember where I don't really understand where the we 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 need an instant winner just came up this year. I get do you I mean it was always there, and I know people complained about Sosha, but I I don't know. It's it's I think do you think because they brought in Epler, not Epler, they brought in um, Brad Asmus, and I and I think they think well they did this, they made this change, so they have this this idea. You know, this is it's well we're going go in a new direction. Guy. John, that's, that's really my thing is is they aren't they aren't doing right by the people. It takes time. Okay, it used to be like in the NFL, especially where you need to, you you need five years. Okay, now all the NFL folks are they get mad like they expect a shot McVay to kind of pop in there for NFL wise. But baseball's pretty much always been this way, especially when you do a re, a reload when you do a restart. The Angels essentially did a restart here. And the Angels weren't able, they weren't allowed to tear it down completely because of Mike Trout. You needed to be competitive for your superstar, okay? So if the Angels could have, 
they could have done in Houston where they just rip everything down and start completely from scratch. Well, you know, it's funny, too, is I, I <coughs> excuse me, from my perspective, uh, when, when Sosha was there, he was so larger than life that he took a lot of this heat. And once they got, once Sosha was gone and they bride, hired Brad Asmus, now that exposed Epler to the, to the wrath of the fans and Brad Asmus, obviously, who just walked into the, the situation. Um, because I don't remember hearing Billy's name all of, you know, just being slandered left and right until they got rid of Sosha. And what's funny is a lot of people weren't fans of Sosha. A lot of the, the people who celebrated him being gone are the ones who are so angry at him and Brad Asmus now. But that was that really say about the fan that in that case, listen, this isn't this isn't about killing the fans. It's are getting upset the fans are picking on a fan. What, what I'm really trying to say is there needs to be some level of sense here. There needs to be some level of 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 understanding where the team was, how long it takes to rebuild, and when you should expect that. To me, the rebuild should be almost done now. Okay, and every MLB insider I've talked to, every writer who covers a team, it, it, they're all saying the same thing. It's next year. It's not this year. So, you know what? Let's wait. We'll wait this out, see how the season goes, and then next year, this team isn't ready for it, then open the floodgates. Go at them. Fine. The criticisms won't warrant it. But let's see if the plan works. Let's just see if it works. All right, folks. We do need to hurry here, so without further ado, our Freeway Series preview with Locked On Dodgers, Jeff Snyder. All right, folks, I'm here with Jeff Snyder from Locked On Dodgers. How you doing, Jeff? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking baseball, even if it's, uh, you know, with a fan of another team. So The crosstown rival, even. <laughs> You got to use air quotes around. Oh, you're an Angels fan. That's right. You got. Oh, you yeah. do think it's a rivalry. Yeah, that's. I guess that may be a question I didn't talk about because you know it's, it's it's a bit of a different thing here. It's not really a rivalry to you, is it? It's not. I uh, I honestly, if I'm watching an Angels game and they're they're playing another American League team, I'm generally rooting for the Angels. I when I was in high school, the Angels Class A team was in Lake Elsinore where I grew up, and so I I used to go to I went to the movies with Darren Erstad and Benji Molina when they were minor leaguers. Uh, you know, I I I got nothing against the Angels. I'm, I'm unless they're playing the Dodgers, it's like you know, they're in a different league, literally and often figuratively too. And so I don't, you know, I don't consider it a rivalry at all. But yeah, it is the freeway series, and I know there are some folks who do consider it a rivalry. It's a little bit weird for me. Um, I, I grew up. As an Angels fan, all the way through, never had a problem with the Dodgers. I, more more on the lines, my issues have come more with the attitudes between the fans than the teams. I don't really the Dodgers do well, great, more power to them. It's it's good for the region, it's good for the area. Yeah. Doesn't and I, in my opinion, it would also force the Angels to step it up. If you're getting trampled by the local other local team over and over again with profit, with 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 talent, with everything, it should force you to improve your product. But the worst interactions I've had have been with opposing fans. And I guess when you have a franchise like the Dodgers that's won so many world championships, it has so much lore history compared to our franchise, which has one World Series with some history. It's decent history, but it's only 1961. I guess you're going to have some of that, at least on our side. Yeah, it's it's funny. Interactions with, with opposing fans, I... 
I love talking baseball, and I figure in general, I you know, you could be a fan of some other sport. That would be worse, you know. It's like I mean, even a Giants fan is better than a football fan, as far as I'm concerned, you know. And so, you know, I, I like talking baseball, and I, I try not to get too much into the the heated, angry fan versus fan stuff. I love talking baseball just in general, regardless of who the, somebody's a fan of. Well, let's talk a little bit of baseball here because I'm going back in this offseason. I remember the Dodgers making the trades they made and thinking, what the heck are they doing? I didn't grasp that at all, but I'm not a Dodgers fan. I'm not, I don't cover the Dodgers. So they made these several key moves, and they worked. Holy crap, they freaking worked. Now the Dodgers are 45-21. and 21. They look great. What exactly did the Dodgers do to make this team better, and how big is their window right now at this roster? There's a couple things that, that made the team better. Um, I mean, really what we're seeing is more of a reversion to the 2017 level. I mean, last year, even though they ended up in the World Series again, last year was a down year from the previous year. And and I think this is more just coming back to that 2017 level. Um, and a couple things they did, getting Corey Seager back was huge. Even though Seager hasn't produced until the last couple of weeks, um, just having him back, having that stability there and knowing that he will be back has been a big deal there was some addition by subtraction uh matt kemp was great for the dodgers last year for the first half he was i mean, he was better than anybody expected him to be when the dodgers traded for kemp before last season nobody expected him to even be on the opening day roster uh they expected him to, to flip him and uh, nobody wanted him, so he ended up on the Dodgers, and and he really helped the team a lot for the first half of the season and a couple key moments later in the season. Uh, but there was no room for Kemp on the roster anymore. Uh, and then, you know, so they traded him, and to, to get rid of Kemp, you know, they had to include Puig. Uh, we found out since then that there were probably some other reasons that they were looking to move Puig to, um, you know, I, I love Yasiel Puig, but I haven't missed him. Uh, I, I still, I've actually deliberately turned on some red games this year because I still enjoy watching Puig play, but, uh, the Dodgers haven't missed him. Uh, defensively Bellinger has been better than Puig was in right field, which is saying something because Puig is a pretty good defensive right fielder. The difference is <laughs> Bellinger seems to care too, in addition to being talented, uh, which is a step up. So there was a little bit of addition by subtraction with, with Kemp and Puig. Um, and then a lot of it is just getting guys back, you know, uh, Bellinger has returned to 2017 form and then some, which has been huge. Uh, you know, Max Muncy, we, there was question about whether he could follow up his, his great first season with the Dodgers last year. He seems to be on track to do that. Seager is turning it on. Justin Turner has been really good the, since the end of April. Uh, just one through nine, basically, uh, you know, offensively, the team has really come together. Catcher, is still kind of a question mark. Uh, but offensively, for the most part, they've been really good. And then the the pitching has just been outstanding. And so you, you combine good offense and, and great pitching, and chances are you're going to win a few ballgames. So how big is their window, do you believe? Uh, I mean, Justin Turner is their only star who's over 30 right now. Uh, you know, it, when, when AJ Pollock comes back, he's in his thirties, uh, you know, I'm talking offensively, then you, you know, the pitching side is, is more of a question mark because you've got Kershaw who's 31. Now you've got Ryu who's around that age. Uh, Maeda isn't young, but then you've also got, you know, Walker Bueller, obviously Rich Hill is an old man, but you got Walker Bueller who is showing signs that he 
might turn into a really, really, really good pitcher. Uh, you've got a lot of potential in the minor leagues. So offensively, I think the window is huge because Bellinger's 23, uh, Verdugo's 23, Seager's 25-ish, 26 maybe. You know, Jock Peterson's around there. They've got a lot of youth offensively and more in the pipeline. The question will be whether guys like Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin and some of those young pitchers they have in the minors who are looking like they have potential to be really, really good starting pitchers, how, how well they pan out or how well they fill the gaps with, with acquisitions. You know, that, you know, it, it's a, it's a interesting position that you don't see very often in a team that has a ton of money and also a great farm system. So they, you know, the Dodgers can fill holes however they need to, in coming seasons, you know, if May and Gonsolin and Mitchell White and those guys don't pan out as starters, Dodgers can maybe, you know, go after guys in trades or, or free agency, uh, but they've also built up a really strong system. And so the the design of this team with Andrew Friedman in the front office is to not have a window, to have a permanently open window. That's the, that's the plan is to build a team that's competitive right now while also maintaining a strong farm system. And, you know, we've seen them not make some trades that that the fans wanted them to you know they didn't trade for Giancarlo Stanton last offseason they didn't or you know a year and a half ago they didn't trade for JT Realmuto last year you know a lot of these things because they would have been giving I mean the Marlins wanted Cody Bellinger for Realmuto that would look like a really bad trade if they had made that even though it might have made some people happy at the time uh you know so they've identified it's not that they're afraid to trade prospects because I mean, they traded five guys for Manny Machado last year. They traded three guys for Rich Hill a couple of years ago. They traded a really good player in Willie Calhoun for Hugh Darvish. So they're willing to trade guys, but they've identified some guys who they're just planning on building around and they're holding on to those guys, which seems to be working so far. Just one thing I got caught in your, in your note there. There's a team still in Miami? Uh, I mean, technically. I- I, yeah, Technically, uh, yeah. I just just caught that. All right, so how do the no, sorry, well, yeah, how do the Angels right now as a struggling club compare with the Dodgers' strengths and weaknesses? What are their strengths and weaknesses? I mean, the Dodgers really their only weakness right now is their bullpen. Uh, their starting pitching is outstanding. They have nine shutouts in the last twenty nine games, and some of that's I mean that's pitching overall because only one of them was a complete game, game complete game shutout. Uh, you gave me a case of the. The cottonmouth. Yeah, I, I know. Contagious, I, I think. <laughs> um, so, you know, the other eight shutouts, the bullpen was involved, but there have been a lot of seven, eight inning performances. And so the bullpen hasn't had to do too much in those games. Uh, but so if there's a weakness, it's the bullpen. And it's been more hot and cold than, than consistently cold. Uh, they're on a hot streak right now. Uh, it's pretty short, you know, but the, this weekend series that they just finished up against the giants, the bullpen looked really, really good. Uh, you know, you've got a guy like Joe Kelly who they brought in expecting to be a setup guy. He was terrible at the beginning, but he's showing some signs of life and and he's a low leverage guy right now. They're not going to put him in high leverage situations until he's, he's done it, you know, 10 or 12 times, but, He's showing signs of life. You know, uh, Kenley Jansen had some hiccups early in the season. His last eight appearances, he's got nine and a third scoreless innings, only four hits allowed, 
just lights out. Old school Kenley at 13 strikeouts in those nine innings. Uh, he's basically, right now, Kenley's as good as he's ever been. So there are some some really good parts of the bullpen. The key to trying to beat the Dodgers is to get to the bullpen early so that you have to, so you get to face some of the weaker spots. Uh, and in a two-game series, that's going to be tough because uh, for the Angels, when you've got, the Dodgers have an off day on Wednesday, which still weirds me out having off days on Wednesdays. That didn't used to happen. But the Dodgers have an off day after the series. The Dodgers didn't have to use much bullpen in this series against the Giants, uh, at, at least not, you know, t- today Pedro Baez went one inning and Kenley went one inning. Everybody else is rested and those guys are available at least, you know. So it, it's going to be really hard in a two-game series to get deep enough in the bullpen to to exploit that too much unless you can knock a starter out early. Uh, and so that's going to be the key. The problem is the starting pitching is probably the biggest strength on the team right now. And, you know, you got Hyunjin Ryu going one of the games and he is probably the best pitcher in baseball this season, uh, at least, you know, top three. And so knocking him out of a game early is going to be really tough. Kenta Maeda has had some, a couple clunkers, you know, there's a, a chance there to knock him out of a game early, but lately he's been really good too. So, uh, the weakness is the bullpen, but good luck getting to it. All that in mind, the pitching, starting pitching really good. The Angels starting pitching has been a train wreck all year. It's horrible, especially when it comes to getting home runs. I mean, six home runs, say the Mariners. Six. And scientists, it's just not starters, it's bullpen. This series on paper looks pretty awful. But how does the match between Ryu and Kenny at least look to you? Uh, and what pitches does Ryu feature to go against this Angels lineup? The, the thing about Ryu that's made him so effective is he's got four good pitches that he throws in any count. And that's uh, his fastball isn't uh, a radar breaker. He, you know, he tops out at 93, really he's more a 91, 92 kind of guy. But his command is outstanding. He's only walked like six guys this year. Uh, he, he puts the ball exactly where he wants it. And he can throw any of his four pitches in any count. And that's, you know... With most pitchers, you can go up there with a plan and know, okay, he likes to start, wants to get strike one with the fastball or whatever. You know, he likes to start out with a slider, you know, and Ryu, he'll throw any pitch in any count. And it's when, you know, 92 doesn't seem very fast, but when you also have to be ready for the 73 mile an hour changeup and the 82 mile an hour slider, uh, you know, 92 can be plenty fast if you got him guessing wrong. And so, it's uh, that's the thing about Ryu is he's unpredictable and he has command of all of his pitches. Uh, you know, if he happens to have an off day where one or two of the pitches aren't working, he's going to become a lot more mortal. The problem for his opponents is he hasn't had an off day at all yet this year, and most of the second half of last year, he had a pretty severe injury last year. But from the time he came back until now, he has been lights out pretty much every time he goes out there. And so it's a really hard team to match up against. You know, the the thing the Angels have going for them is the the best hitter in baseball. You know, Mike Trout can probably hit pretty much anybody. Uh, You know, but yeah, I'm really excited to watch Ryu against Trout because, you know, it's it's not power on power. It's the current best pitcher in baseball. I, I said current, so don't get upset about anything against the, you know, the eight years strong best hitter in baseball. And, you know, I, I could see Trout getting to Ryu. I could see Ryu striking Trout out a few times uh, because, you know, I, I'm excited to watch it. 
to see what happens. As for Canning, um, I, I've I, I actually saw Canning pitch a couple times in the minors when he. I, I live here in Utah, and so I, I saw him pitch in Salt Lake a couple times. Uh, and I've watched some highlights of him and stuff in the major leagues. I don't know a ton about him, but looking at his numbers, it looks like uh, one of the things that he is good at is getting guys to chase. Um, he has a little bit higher than than average rate of getting guys to swing at pitches outside the strike zone, and they're not very good at making contact with those ones. Uh, so that's going to be interesting because that's a strength against strength because the Dodgers don't chase. And the Dodgers have made a few pitchers who fit that profile look pretty bad when they're actually pretty good because if you rely on getting guys to swing outside the zone and they're not swinging, suddenly you're walking guys. And and the Dodgers get pitch counts up. And so. Well, one thing Canning has, I've been real impressed with this, is his, his fastball, when it's on, it moves really well. And it rises on hitters. And it will look like it's going to be out of the zone. And it will pinpoint right right in the corner pocket right there, right in the borderline, and it's going to be a called striker. They're going to get him swinging last second because they just last minute hitters are realizing, oh, that's going to be a strike. And so he's been really good at that. Last couple, last start out, though, it wasn't – he didn't have his fastball just where it needed to be. It was a little bit off it. So we'll see how he does. Um, the matchup I'm really worried about, though, in the end is, is Tuesday's matchup, Maeda against Pena. Pena's going to – they're going to have an opener probably on, on Tuesday. But Pena being three and one, four five three ERA, just when we thought he was settling into the rotation and not needing a, not needing an opener anymore, he's been rough the last couple times out. What's the deal with Maeda? What are his best pitches, and how do you figure Angels hitters will handle him? Maeda has uh, kind of a similar profile to Ryu, but less extreme. Obviously, opposite of the opposite side of the the hand, he's a right hander. Ryu's a lefty, uh, but Maeda when he's on. He has three good pitches that he can throw for strikes. The, the big key for Maeda is going to be the slider. When his slider is sharp and, and he's commanding it, he is outstanding. He, he's really, really good. And that's what it's been the la- his last few times out. He's had really, really good command of that slider, and everything else plays off that. He's got a good changeup. He doesn't throw it a ton, uh, but when he does, it is, it's really effective. Uh, his fastball is... You know, it, it's not super. He'll get it up to 93 inches as a starter. When he was pitching out of the pen a couple of years ago, it was up at 95, even hitting 96 once in a while. But he's a kind of a 92, 93 kind of guy. Uh, but you know, he's got a really good changeup and a good slider, and so that fastball plays up when he's commanded the other pitches. Um, it, it, it really, with Maeda, comes down to command. And you know, the the Angels have a few guys in that lineup that you don't want to miss your spots against. And when Maeda has struggled, it's been because he's not hitting his spots. And so, uh, you know, Otani against Maeda will be, you know, in addition to, you know, the Japanese media going crazy about it, it will be an interesting matchup because, uh, you know, Otani, a lefty against the righty Maeda, I could see that going badly for Maeda uh, if he isn't really commanding his pitches. It's a little interesting talking about Maeda's pitches because the Angels generally don't strike out a lot. They did today, but there's a story behind that. <laughs> we saw a lot of strikeouts today. But overall, they they make contact. They're patient to play. They'll force pitchers to work. And so I'm very interested in seeing how Maeda does with that, especially if Trout and LaStella get on base early in the game. 
So what are five things overall we should expect to see from the Dodgers in this game? In this um, so one big key will be the, the Dodgers offense. Uh, the Angels don't have a ton of left-handed pitching. And left-handed pitching, if the Dodgers offense has a weakness, it's left-handed pitching. Um, and so the Angels' right-handed pitchers are going to have to uh, figure out a way to deal with you know, Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger and Max Muncie uh, and Alex Verdugo and these left-handed hitters that the Dodgers have, plus guys like you know Justin Turner who can hit either side of the plate. Um, you know, you you've got a lot of righty mashers, and, and that's going to be uh, that's going to be tough for the Angels pitching staff being so righty heavy. So that's one thing to watch. Um, the the pitching, I think, I think you're going to see a really, really good performance from Ryu. Uh, you know, it, it's going to come down to can the Angels pitching keep keep them in that game because Ryu's not going to give up much. Uh, I mean, you're not going to score more than three runs off Ryu probably. Uh, in fact, no team has scored even three runs off Ryu yet this year, uh, and so you're you're really going to have to to bear down. Uh, because if the Dodgers get out to a you know get three or four runs with Rio pitching, that game is almost over. So so that's something to watch. Um, Cody Bellinger struggled this weekend uh, by Bellinger standards against the Giants. So that'll be interesting to see him uh, coming back against against a lot of right-handed pitchers. See if he can break out of the slump. He didn't get much to hit. He got intentionally walked several times this weekend. And then, you know, so when they were pitching to him, he, he seemed just in a little bit of a funk. So that's something to watch for to see if Bellinger breaks out or if he is actually having his first prolonged slump of the season. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, Jock Peterson, he, I, I don't know if you're familiar with his usage pattern this year for the Dodgers, but he's basically, he's probably going to be on the all-star team, even though he is a strict platoon player. But he's been so good against right-handed pitching He's been really, really good, and he plays almost never against lefties. And so, you know, we're going to see some Jock Peterson uh, in this two-game series, uh, and Angel Stadium might be friendly to to Jock Peterson. Um, I'm trying to think what else that we haven't already talked about that that might jump out. I mean, the, I guess the other thing, Corey Seager and Justin Turner have both been really, really hot lately. Uh, Seager's got, like, basically averaging an extra base hit per game the last few weeks. Um, Turner, is his batting average, he started really, really bad. His batting average for the season is now up to like 312. Uh, he's, he's just been hitting everything. So uh, Seager and Turner, uh, if they can stay hot, I mean, it, the Dodgers lineup, when every once in a while, I'll be watching a game on the visiting team or the, the opponent's feed or listening on the radio and hearing the opponents. And I keep hearing this word relentless talking about the Dodgers lineup. And that's the best word for it is it's just there. You never get a break. It's almost like an American league lineup. Obviously the pitcher spot uh, is a break. It won't be in Anaheim. It actually will be an American league lineup and the Dodgers are better suited than most national league teams to go into an American league park because they have starter quality guys sitting on their bench. Uh, and so they're going to, it's going to be like facing an American league lineup 
and that takes away that advantage that American League teams often have in interleague play. Uh, and it's just relentless, one through nine, and it's going to be a really, really tough series for uh, a tough test for Griffin Canning. And then I don't envy any team going with a, a bullpen game kind of on uh, against this Dodgers lineup. All right, so that's all that being said, make your call on this series. How many Dodgers take? It's, I mean, I don't know. It, on paper, like you said, th- this is a clear sweep for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are clearly a better team than the Angels so far this season. Um, the Dodgers have their best pitcher going in one of the games, and a pitcher, Maeda, who has been lately almost as good as Ryu going in the other game, uh, you know, the, even the way they match up, that the game that the Angels have Cannon going, the Dodgers have Ryu going, and then the the game where the Dodgers lesser starter Maeda going, it, you know, the Angels are doing a bullpen game, or at least a, an opener, and, you know, the, the Dodgers have a potential to turn into a, a true bullpen game. So, uh, on paper, it looks like a sweep for the Dodgers, uh, but it's it's hard to win. It's hard to sweep a two-game series, no matter how much better one team is than the other. Uh, and so I predict the Dodgers will win 1.4 of the two games. <laughs> Does that count? Well, that's, we'll go with that. Uh, I do want to ask you, hey, there's going to be a return match later on in the year. They ask you to come back because I, I have a couple questions. I'm talking about some baseball talk. We saw a, a debate break out a couple weeks ago when Trout was on a slump. You know, who is the best player in baseball right now, being Bellinger or Trout? And I want to get into that with you. We had an argument on our show about it. And uh, having an actual Dodgers take will be a great one. So I'd like to invite you back to have that conversation in the return match here in a few weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, that, w- that would be a fun conversation. All right, awesome. Well, you have a great one. Good luck in the series, and we'll be talking again soon. Hey, thanks. Good to talk to you. All right, folks. Well, that's going to wrap it up on this long night of baseball conversation. It is time for us to hit the road but before we do, please follow us on Twitter at Talkin' Halos. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. And you can find John on Twitter at Jake's Craig John. Jake's Crane John. I don't know why that's, I said it that way. That's me. All right. Also, don't forget we're on Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, all those places. And of course, of course, our home base for all reviews. Please hook us up on iTunes. We really appreciate your time just to give us some feedback and hopefully good reviews. Really appreciate that. All right, folks, for the entire team here at Talking Hills, we want to thank you for listening. And fingers crossed the series against the Dodgers. Here we go. Have a great one. Take care. history hang from the rafters. Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? 
And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.